Last week was Vision Sunday, and uh, we had a great time looking at uh, looking ahead, really, at areas that we want to focus on as a church uh, in this season. And we have a mission statement, which basically says that we will love God, love others, and uh, serve many. It's up here. Um, and uh, today we're going to be focusing mainly on the idea of us serving our community. And that's the outside community, yes, but also serving here in our church family as well. We believe that the church is not an event that happens once a week, but we are a body of people who have been transformed by the love of Jesus and want to share that love with those around us. It's time for us all to be participators, not spectators. Now, if you've done your homework, you'll realize that I've totally lifted that from our Vision Sunday booklet. Um, and uh, it's true. It's something that we want to live our, uh, our life here following. And so today we're going to look a little bit further uh, at what maybe God might be saying to us, uh, to us as a collective, uh, but to us as individuals as well. What might God be saying to you in this season? How might he want you to be working in this church, in this family this season? And in order to do this, we're going to take a look at a few different passages today. The first one is John chapter 13, starting at the very beginning and running to verse 17. It says this, it's going to come up on the screen though. It says, uh, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them, around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so we have this picture here of Jesus at this meal. He's very close to the end of his life on earth and he knows what is around the corner. They've eaten, it says that, they, uh, that the meal was in progress and he got up from the meal. He poured uh, water into a basin. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he got to washing his disciples' feet. 
And this is a really weird thing because we know who Jesus is. And I suppose we have an advantage here because we're reading it after it happened, after it unfolded. But we know who Jesus is. And the disciples know who Jesus is. They've they know he's an amazing man who's come and he's uh, done some incredible things. They've seen the miracles. They believe he is who he says he is. They've seen his power over all things on earth. The rain, the storms, the winds, sickness. They know who Jesus is and how he has power on earth. And Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knows who he is. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come uh, uh, from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knows exactly who he is. That's what this passage says to us. And so it seems a little odd that this incredible, mighty, powerful human who is also God would fill a basin with water, get down on his knees, kneel at the feet of his disciples and wash their feet. It seems a little odd. Feet aren't the nicest of things. But he does it to illustrate a point. He does it to prove a point. This job would ordinarily have been done by Lesser folk, by servants, by people of lower uh, status. But he does it to prove a point. He does it to show that God is not a God who rules from afar. God is not a God who rules from high up and looks down on us and rules from there. It shows that God is not a detached God. God is not someone who's out of touch. He gets down in the mud with us. He gets down in the dirt with us. He pulls alongside us. He's not someone who's out of touch. He knows what it is like to live here, to breathe here, and to serve here. So Jesus does this. He gets on his knees and he scrubs his disciples' feet. He cleans their feet to show the sort of structure that he wants in his church. And he says afterwards, he says, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Uh, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He says, hey, guys, do you see what I've done there? Do you see what I've done here? Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Do you see the point that I'm trying to get across? You call me your Lord. You call me your teacher. And so if you are following my instructions, if you're obeying me, if you're listening to my teachings and following my teachings, you too will get on your hands. You too will get on your knees. And in, uh, in order to clean the feet of this world, you serve my people, all of God's children here on this earth, by my example. That is how you do it. What I love about this story is the fact that this just summarizes exactly how Jesus worked during his time on earth. He didn't sit around banqueting tables in palaces. He didn't have a golden crown on his head. He didn't wine and dine with high officials. He didn't hold positions of high political power. He didn't have a great golden throne. No, instead he hung out with the lowest of the low socially. He hung out with the people who everybody else in society shunned. People who everybody else in society didn't want to be associated with. They didn't want to be tarred with the same brush. He spent time with people who were sick. 
people who were sick, uh, the lepers, uh, people who uh, were corrupt, thieves. He ate in their houses. He spent time listening to their stories. He spent time telling them his stories. He did life with them. He served them. And I love this because it reveals God's nature. It reveals God's nature. You see, God doesn't rule from high. He doesn't rule in a detached way. He's got his leadership model perfected. What Jesus does here reveals God's nature. He doesn't rule from high. He doesn't rule in a detached way. God rules by modeling service. He rules by modeling to us how we should serve him. And God serves because God loves He serves us because he loves us. When Jesus left his throne in heaven, he did it because he loves us. He did it because he wants to serve us. And he asks us in response to show that love as well, to show that love by serving. And the great thing about serving is the fact that we can be part of God's plan. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? We can be part of God's plan. We can be part of his work here on earth. And the more that we engage with God, when we serve in the areas that God calls us into, when we, when we really engage, when we really serve, not when we just do stuff, we, not when we just hand over a cup of tea, not when we just uh, uh, put on the coffee pot, not when we just tune our guitar and play a few chords, just count the offering, just say hello and welcome people, just help people part. When you do those things, knowing why you're doing it, when you do those things because you're doing it, because God called you into it, you realize it's much more than that, more, much more than just doing something. When we do it because we're engaging in what God's called us to do, we grow closer to him. When we serve in areas that God has called us to serve, we grow closer to him. We grow closer to him as we serve because we're being obedient and obedience to his call brings us closer to him. It draws us closer to him. In Jesus' world, in God's kingdom, we all have a part to play. God's part in our life, uh, God's, God's part in our life never stops. God never stops meeting our needs. God's got a plan for our entire life, not just the years of our life when we are most active. He has a plan for our whole life. He wants to use our entire life. He wants us to remain active with him our entire life. And that is why we're so keen to, uh, to invest in our children's ministry, because you do not have to be an adult or a teen to be used by God. God uses children too. We can learn from our children too. That's why the work upstairs at the moment is so vital. So just as God will never stop serving us, he'll never stop being there for us. We should never stop serving him. We know that as a church, we uh, as a family here, we have many parts. We're p- many parts making up one body. And just as the Bible says, it's, uh, it's important that we all understand the part that we have to play. It would be useless if we all decided that we wanted to be ears for the day. Because we do a lot of hearing and we do very little else. In fact, actually, if we think about it, we probably wouldn't be doing much at all. Because without the other functions of the body, the ears wouldn't work anyway. We all have a part to play in this body that we call our family here at Shiloh. 
And it's by us all doing our bit and playing our part that we see this machine become better and better. We grow and grow. We become well-oiled. You see, there is a difference, and we hear this a lot, there is a difference between a church and the church. A church is a building, something that is surrounding us, that protects us from the wind and the rain in the winter and the summer, uh, and the sunshine sometimes in the summer. There is a difference. The church is a living, breathing group of people, a group of people that is in fact a family, a community. You are my family. It's a community that we belong to. Jesus built this family. This family has been going for generations. Jesus built this family. And in a family, everybody has a role. Everybody has a part to play, whether it's doing the dishes, the laundry, taking the bins out, uh, mowing the lawn, cooking, cleaning, uh, maybe running the children around like a taxi service. We all have a part to play. As you get older, that part might change. As you grow, that part might change. You might not be taking the bins out every Monday night anymore. You might not be cooking every night, but you will be there supporting the next generation. You'll be the one passing knowledge and guidance and wisdom to the next generation. The ones, uh, you're the ones there to support the younger members of the family. Everybody has a part to play. Same is so true in this family here. The same is so true in this family here. You all have a part to play. We get lots and lots of visitors, especially in the summer, but all year round we get lots of visitors. Now, personally, honestly, I believe that if you come more than a couple of times, you're no longer a guest. You're family. You're family. We want you to feel like family. And, and that means that we want you to be involved. We want you to say, hey, I've got these skills and I want to show how I can help you. We want to grow this family and we want to give opportunities. We want to say, yes, let's release you in that. We want to hear what God is calling you to do in this family. And we want to support you in that. We want to see your God-given gifts released. You see, sadly, in a lot of churches, probably this one too, if we're honest, some of us have been guilty of turning church into a takeout. You pop in, you collect your pizza, your chips, your Chinese, your Thai, whatever it might be, and then you leave. And then you do the same again the following weekend. We should be different to that. We have to be different to that. We should arrive and we should be saying, hey God, how do you want to use me today? How do you want me to serve you today? God, what do you want me to do this month? God, what do you want me to do this term? Lord, what do you want me to do this year? What are you going to do with this season of my life, Lord Jesus, because I'm committing it to you? When we serve, we have the potential to achieve amazing things. We have the potential to grow, to develop uh, this experience here that we have. We have the potential to reach out into the world, which is what Jesus wants us to do. And when, we, uh, when people come here and we hand over that cup of tea, when we're pouring uh, the next cup of coffee, uh, when uh, you're helping them uh, park their car in the car park, when you're uh, smiling as they enter that door, when they walk in and see smiling faces, happy faces in here, when, uh, when you're sat down on a seat and you see a family of four arrive and you know that they've not been before, you give up your seat because they need four seats together. When you do things like that... 
They see more than just the act itself. They see love. And when they see love, they see Jesus. All these parts, all these parts of this family are so important. And yes, I get it. It's so easy to lose sight of the importance of it. I think of Mike. I talk to Mike all the time. He was quite sick of my, my name popping up on his phone. Um, I think of Mike trying to plan rotors for uh, an AV team with so few people who are volunteering on there. I think of Mel trying to, think, uh, trying to find people to do words uh, on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening thinking, I don't want to overwork them. I don't want to underwork them. I want to give them responsibility. I don't want to overburden them. I think of our cafe teams throughout the week who, who, are, who are putting together rotors all the time. There is stuff that you know, can be quite, quite mundane and boring and dull sometimes. Well, I do rotors too, and they're not my favorite thing. Some of the stuff cannot, it's not, it's not always the most fun. But when you look at the bigger picture, when you look at the bigger picture, when you see the bigger picture that's in play and realize that the efforts that you're putting into your area where you're serving or where you're contributing to this bigger picture, when you take all of that into consideration, you start to realize the vital part that you play. Because you see, no part is bigger than any other part. No part is smaller than any other part. Every part of this body is so important when it comes to ensuring that we function in the way that God wants us as a body, as a family to function. And yes, it is easy to lose sight of Jesus when we are running around frantically trying to find someone to step in last minute to lead worship, to do the teas, to do the coffees. We've, the, the, the crash team's gone off sick. We need someone to help out in tots. It's easy to lose sight of Jesus in those moments. The tasks can sometimes cloud our vision so we don't see Jesus so clearly. We're more focused on the task when things don't go to plan. But ultimately, when when we remember why we do it, why we serve, why we obey Jesus, why we said yes in the first place to serving in that way, when we remember why, Jesus becomes clearer again. I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago, and I was really struck by a comment that was made on this podcast. It said this, we turn God's word into a tradition. We see what God has said to us in the past, and we expect him to tell us exactly the same today. And it got me thinking, there are so many faithful servants here. We are so fortunate to have so many people who have served and given up so much time. They've been so devoted. I know um, in my role as youth, I hear lots of stories about youth in the past. And I hear so many names. I'm looking around. I see no- a number of you guys who have served in the, in the youth area for oh, historically for such a long time and done such amazing work. And I know all of you who I'm thinking of right now, serve in other areas too, and have probably served in way more areas than that I even really realized. You are obedient to God's call on your life. You're obedient to God's call into something, God's call out of something, sometimes that's the hardest bit, and God's call into something else. The scripture that uh, the podcast used to illustrate this Uh, is in Exodus. It's talking about Moses and it's chapter 17. I'll read it, but it's going to come up on the screen as well. Uh, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but uh, there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? 
But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So Moses, he got his people. They have followed him up out of Egypt. He's taken them on his massive journey, and they need water. They need water. There's no water nearby, and they are in a bit of a dire situation. The people are getting frustrated because they need water. And I'll be real, I think if I'd taken my family and followed a guy into this situation and there was no water, I probably would be having a bit of a freak out too. We need water to survive. And so Moses turns to God and says, God, what am I going to do? I'm in a pickle. That's a paraphrase. What am I going to do? Help me, help me, help me. And God turns up. And this happens again later. There's a water issue again there without water. And God very specifically says to Moses in the second time, hey, you need to go now and you need to speak to this rock. But Moses takes his staff because he saw what happened last time and he hits it twice this time. He hits the rock and uh, sure enough, water comes out. Because God is a providing God who serves his people. God serves his people because God loves his people. But Moses hadn't been obedient. Moses had turned what he had previously done into a tradition. He had heard from God the first time, and it had worked when he followed. But he wasn't obedient to God in the second time in the way that he solved the issue. You see, sometimes we take what God said yesterday and expect the same again today. We expect that he wants us to do the same again today. We expect that we should still be doing the same again today, but that is not always the case. Very often God has other plans for us. He says, yes, that was great, but now I want you here. Very often how we, how we serve, the where we serve will change, but the why we serve stays the same. Wherever we serve, however we serve, We always do it because of love, because God loves us and we are called to love others. And this is what I love about our faith. This is what I love about this family. This is what I love about you guys. We are invited to play a part together. We're invited to have a go. And if we never have a go, if we never try, if we never try our hand at things, then we are never, ever going to realize our potential. If we never listen to God, if we never act when he says to act, if, uh, if, if we never step up and serve when there's a need and he calls us into that, into that place, we'll never realize our potential. I have a little daughter, many of you know her, her name's Ella, and, uh, and I love her so much. And I want to provide for her. I want to support her. I want to do all I can to support her. I have a big role to play in her life if I want her if, if, I want to, like, if I want her to grow up uh, feeling loved and, and grow into the girl that she has the potential to grow into. 
I have a huge responsibility. My wife has a huge responsibility. Her grandparents, her aunts and uncles, her godparents have a huge responsibility. You guys have a big responsibility. We all have a big responsibility for looking after our children. We have a big responsibility for looking after each other too. That's what family does. We all play part uh, play our part in supporting this family. And when we support this family, we are serving this family. And when we serve this family, we are showing God's love in this family. I don't know about you, but often I find when I'm asked to do things, if I'm honest, I'm like, oh Lord, why me? Who else thinks that sometimes? You haven't got to tell me. I think we all probably do it sometimes. Oh Lord. Why me? Can't someone else do that one? Can't you get someone else to pick that one up? Surely there is someone better suited to deal with that situation than me. And I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that. Imagine, though, what this place might look like, what this family might be like, if instead of asking, Oh, Lord... Why me? We said, instead, we proclaim, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Yes, there are other people who can do it. Yes, there are other people who could probably pick this one up. And yes, on paper, there are probably people who are better suited to do that job. But God has called you. God has called me. And we know that God equips those who he calls. And we might not always understand it, but we have to always obey it. We always have to obey God's call. We have to. Oh Lord, here I am. Send me.